is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. My Savior all the day long. Amen. Great singing. You guys can have a seat. I want to, uh, first of all, have Jim and Nancy Fennessy come on up. We'd like to welcome Jim and Nancy as members at Creekside Church, and Mark and Norb are going to come up here with them. Mark, maybe you want to grab that uh, microphone? Yeah. Yeah, Jim and Nancy Fennessy are born-again Christians. They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, They know him personally, and uh, the elders have visited with them, and they have chosen to become members of Creekside Church, and we just want to celebrate that and welcome them and announce them today. That's what we're doing, and Mark and I are going to pray over them. So uh, let's do that. Our Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is number one. We love him so much because he first loved us, Lord. Bless you, bless you. We thank you for Jim and Nancy and the work that you've done in their lives and their hearts to bring them to Christ, to know him as Lord and Savior. And we just pray you bless them and their uh, time here, their ministry here at Creekside Church. Help us to love on them as they love on us. We ask for your blessing to them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. It's awesome to welcome uh, people into our church family, and you know another thing as we as we think about December, December is a, a time for family, and we've got a lot of cool things going on at Creekside. I just want to call your attention to a few of them. December fifteenth, there's an open house gathering here. I think it's a chance to get together, play some games, uh, share food, but you need to RSVP for that. So. Uh, take a look at your bulletin uh, or the weekly email. All the information should be there. So that's happening on December 15th. Then reminder that the 16th is our kids program here on Sunday morning. That's a great morning to invite family, friends. Um, we'll have all the kids up front uh, singing and sharing some verses with us. So that'll be an exciting day. Continuing through the monthly calendar, there's going to be a Christmas caroling uh, time on December 22nd. That's Saturday before Christmas. Talk to Alec Packer if you're interested. He's going to have a sign-up sheet. They're going to go to a few uh, nursing homes and have some, some time of caroling, so that that will be awesome. And then on Christmas Eve, we will be having a Christmas Eve service, uh, Christmas Eve at 5.30. So that will be about an hour service, a chance to, to gather together to, to worship and sing praise um, and hear a little from God's Word. So with that, I'm going to have uh, Steve come on up. He's going to introduce our, our baptism think it's on. Anyhow, I'm going to read Romans chapter 6, a few verses in Romans 6. We have several that have indicated that they'd be interested and are interested in being baptized this morning, so we're excited to bring them up before you this morning. I just wanted to give a little introduction to that. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says this, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead 
to the glory of God the Father, so we too also might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we shall certainly be in the likeness of his resurrection. So when these young people come up and they enter into the waters of baptism, what they're basically saying is that each of them has accepted and admitted that they are fallen people, that they make mistakes that separate them from God and deserve his judgment. They believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and his death paid the debt that they owe for their sin. And then they are confessing and have confessed that Jesus is their Lord and their master and their savior. And you're going to hear their testimonies read by the, the two guys that are going to be doing the baptisms this morning. But as they go down into the water and as they come up out of the water, they're basically declaring to you that's a physical and outward symbol of what's really true in their heart. That they have died with Christ to the old life and they've been raised to new life through faith or trust in Jesus. Now, if you hear their testimony and you hear their witness and you hear what they've done and it stirs your heart and you say, you know what, I, I really believe that God's leading me to trust Christ as my Savior or I'm really interested in that baptism stuff, one of our elders will be at the back and will be able to visit with you about uh, what it means to know Christ or what it means to be baptized immediately after the baptisms because we want you to watch the baptisms and or at the end of the service uh, because during the, at the end of the service you'll also have a chance to, to talk to one of our elders about what it means to know Christ or to be baptized. And so I'm going to ask uh, Dakota to come with Josiah first and you're going to hear uh, Josiah's testimony and Dakota, and then they'll have a seat, and then Mark will share uh, three other testimonies, and then all of them will be baptized after that. So come on up, guys. This is Josiah, and Josiah wrote the following testimony. Uh, he said, I want to be baptized because it shows other people I believe in God. When I was five was the first time I asked him into my heart. I asked him into my heart because I want to have eternal life and because I believe in him. So that's Josiah's testimony. Um, Josiah had two verses that he really wanted to read at this time. One is Romans 6.23. Um, do you want to say those or do you want me to? You want to say Romans 6.23? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the second one is Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God's salvation for everyone who believes. Okay. Mark? This is our friend Annika Trice. We've had the pleasure of having her here in our kids' ministries in recent years, and she writes this testimony. My name is Annika. I am eight years old. Two years ago, I brought the Lord into my heart. I trust that he's my savior and he will always keep me safe no matter what happens. He's the Holy Spirit, and that's why I love him. I want to be baptized because I want people around me to know I believe in him and want others to be saved too. Okay. Sonica. And then uh, I have my nephew, Joven Arcello. Come on up, buddy. This is Joven, and uh, Joven is 10 now. He says, when I was six years old, my Christian school teacher told me how to be saved, and then I prayed at home. What it means to be saved is to ask for forgiveness, admit you're a sinner, 
Repent of your sin and believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. One of my favorite verses is Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So, thank you, Jovan. And my niece, Josie, Josephine. Josie Arcello, who is eight years old. Come here, sweetie. She says, when me and my family lived in Johnston, I was seven years old. My family was downstairs and I was upstairs. I wanted some time to think. Then I was singing songs to the Lord. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. Jesus loves me. I am going to trust in Jesus. He can do anything and everything is possible with God. My favorite verse is Psalm 23, 1 to 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks, Josie. They're going to make their way back to the baptismal, and then uh, Josiah uh, will be baptized by his father, Dakota, and then Mark will baptize uh, the other three. Okay, so you'll just watch, and they'll go take it from there. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving. beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. I invite you to pray with me as we prepare to worship through the study of God's word. Heavenly Father, as we have witnessed these enter the waters of baptism testifying to the world that they are followers of Jesus Christ, as we have sung and now as we open your word, I pray that in this Christmas season, especially now, Lord, you would open our eyes that we might behold wonderful truths from your law, that we might come to understand more fully, and we might come to be stirred in our hearts more completely, and that we might be changed by your Spirit's power more fully for your glory and for your kingdom's sake, we pray that we would listen, learn, and grow from the truths you have contained for us in this your holy word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to listen, if you will, to me read the following excerpt, which came from a daily devotional guide called Our Daily Bread. Some of you are familiar with it. It goes like this. During the Great Depression that hit the U.S. in the 1930s, a family in the Midwest struggled to put food on their table. 
They had no money for luxuries. One day, the uh, posters all over town announced that a circus was coming. Admission would be $1. A boy in the family wanted to see the show, but his father told him that he would have to earn the money on his own. The youngster had never seen a circus before, so he worked feverishly and was able to buy a ticket. On the day the circus arrived, he went to see the performers and the animals parade through the town. As he watched, a clown came dancing up to him, and the boy gave the clown his ticket. Then he stood on the curb and cheered as the rest of the parade moved by. The youngster rushed home to tell his parents what he had seen and how exciting the circus was, and his father, listening to him, took his son in his arms, and he said, Son, you didn't see the circus. You only saw the parade. My fear is that as those who are in church, those who are outside of church, as we approach Christmas, we are focused on the parade and not the main event. Oh, look at all the lights. Oh, there's a really great party. We're having a great party. Oh, we got to buy some gifts. We're going to give some gifts. We're going to have an exciting time as we get together with our family. And we miss the main event, which is all about Jesus and the precious name that we sang about this morning. And so at Creekside, our elder team and our preaching team, we thought, hey, how can we help us not miss the main event? And so we thought, you know, we're going to be singing Christmas carols, and in order to not miss the main event, we don't want to just sing the carols, we want to study the scriptures. And so we're embarking today on the first in a series of sermons on the Christmas carols from scripture, based in Luke chapters 1 and 2, where there are several, if you will, it's kind of a loose interpretation of the word carols, but there are many times where there are praises or exaltations that are sung out in these verses. And I invite you, if you will, because we're going to, to Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin with Elizabeth's exaltation, the exaltation of Elizabeth and her emphasis on the main event. And from Elizabeth's life in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, we see two ways that God works in us and through us to convince us of God's plan and to use us to communicate that plan, the main event, to those around us at Christmas time. I'm going to read in the text, but I'm going to start in verse 26, okay? I'm in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26, and I'm going to read down through verse 45. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, that is the angel, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, and at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation that might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, 
since I am a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at, that, at this time Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth's exaltation. This is Elizabeth's Christmas carol, if you will. And the first of these two ways that God works in us and through us to confirm God's plan and to communicate that plan through us is that we must first of all come to this realization, the spiritual recognition of Christ's true identity. In the text there are three factors that come to play into our realization of Christ's and recognition of Christ's identity. And the first is the circumstances that surround that recognition. What are the circumstances that surround Elizabeth's recognition of who this child in Mary's womb was. First of all, we uh, must go back a little bit because the, the, the pre-story is that Dr. Luke, a physician who gave great attention to detail, his gospel is the most meticulously put together and detailed, said to Theophilus in the introduction to Luke chapters 1 through 4, he says, I have sought to compile, most excellent Theophilus, a record of all the events, and he took eyewitness accounts and all these things, to compile an account of the things accomplished among us so that you might know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So Luke's intention was to put together eyewitness accounts, records from people, testimonies, so that there would be no doubt in Theophilus' mind, and also in our mind, that the things that we're hearing are the truth. He starts with the story of the miraculous story of God's intervention in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who Elizabeth in her old age was told that she would give birth to a son who would become the announcer of the Messiah, the herald of the Messiah, John the Baptist. Six months into her pregnancy, a little young girl named Mary has another encounter with the same angel, Gabriel. And she's told that she would give birth to a son and she would call this son Jesus. Mary's doubts were assuaged when the angel said, Don't worry about it. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to give you this. And by the way, God's able to do whatever. That's my paraphrase of 137. Nothing is impossible with God. He's able to do it. Mary 
was submissive to the Lord's statement in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. She says, well, so be it done unto me. But I still think she was scared. I still think she was confused. I still think she was a bit perplexed. If what the saint, this angel had said comes true, what's going to happen to Mary? At worst, she would be executed. At best, she's going to be rejected. She's going to be ridiculed. Her life is ruined. Now, that sounds like a pretty good prospect, right? Death or ruination. No. So in her confusion and chaos and concern, she remembers something that the angel had said. You're not alone, Mary. You're not alone. Listen, there is this gal by the name of Elizabeth. Something like this happened to her. So Mary arose, the text says in verse 39. Now at this time, Mary arose with haste. She made the 60 to 70 mile trip from where she was in Nazareth uphill to a city in Judah, in Judah okay, in haste. Um, haste just means you do it quickly and you do it decisively and you are about it. Some of you were that way on Friday morning a week ago, right? I had that, show me that picture that I had. I found this online. Can you see it? Yeah, there we go. There you are. Friday morning, Black Friday at 5 a.m., busting and in Christian love, making haste. Mary made haste to go to Elizabeth. And then in verse 40 it says, and she entered the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And I asked myself, why go there? Why to Elizabeth's house? I like it interesting. It was Zechariah's house, but she talked to Elizabeth. You know, I don't, I don't talk to this Zechariah guy. I'm, I'm talking to the woman of the house because she knows why. Well, think about this. Who's going to believe a 13 to 16-year-old woman who says, oh, by the way, an angel visited me in the night. And the angel told me that even though I am, have never known a man intimately, I'm going to get pregnant. And guess what? I'm going to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah, the long-promised one, this little Jewish girl. Who's going to buy that story? I mean, she's a prime candidate for the funny farm. She's a prime candidate for lunacy or liar of the year. She's not going to... Her, think her fiancé is going to buy that story? I'm thinking not. You think her family, her dad and her mom? Oh, yeah, honey. We, oh, yeah, we're, we're drinking that Kool-Aid. No. Do you think the community that she's living in is going to buy that story? No way. But guess what? The angel graciously said to Mary, Look, Mary, there is this other woman. And she understands the miraculous power of God that enables someone to conceive when everybody else says it can't happen. In her old age, Elizabeth conceived. Here's another woman who has firsthand experience with divine revelation through an angelic being because her husband had seen the angel in the temple and she had been told that she would have a son. Here's a woman who is a godly woman. We see this from the backstory in Luke chapter 1. Here's a woman who lived far enough away, away from Dodge, so that Mary could have a chance to debrief and 
kind of process what's happening in a household that was safe. I think that's why Mary went to see Elizabeth. Here's a real person. And you say, well, why does all this matter to you and me 2,000 years later as the circumstances for understanding and recognizing the true identity of this person, Jesus? Because if this is just some hobbit's tale, then it matters not to us. It's just a fiction. But I would submit to you that it is not a hobbit's tale. It is a fact that this really happened. That's why Dr. Luke went to such great lengths to make sure that Theophilus and everyone who would read it subsequently would know that I made an exact account of everything that happened in these days so that you would know the truth. This is a truism. Then there is the, the content. It's not just the circumstances of the recognition, but there's the content revealing Christ's true identity. And this we see in verses 40 and 41. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth, and it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Truth recognized must first be revealed. And here I believe, I'm submitting to you for your consideration at least, that the truth was revealed in Mary's greeting. Twice in verses 40 and 41 it says that there was a greeting. There was a greeting. But it never says what the content of the greeting was. Was it just, hi Elizabeth? I don't think so. Look at verse 41. Or 40, I'm sorry, verse 43. It says this, And how has it happened to me, this is Elizabeth talking, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Now verse 45. And blessed is he who, or she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. How did Elizabeth know that Mary was carrying the mother of was the mother of her, her Lord. How did Elizabeth know that Mary had been told something by the Lord which she believed and now she was blessed because of it? I believe that she knew it because in the greeting, Mary told her. When she greeted Elizabeth, she communicated the essence of what she had just experienced in that angelic revelation seems to me that that's what's happening. So that the greeting provides the insight into the identity of the person inside Mary's womb. First of all, there is the, the identification comes through the designation of the son. That's how it's proven that this baby is the Messiah. Notice if you look back at verse 31 of chapter 1, he will name him Jesus. Why is Jesus such a beautiful name? It is a Hebrew contraction of two names. Jehovah, which is the Hebrew name for God, and Hosea, which is the Hebrew word for salvation. The Lord is salvation. That's what Jesus' name means. And if you want to look it up, you can go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, another familiar Christmas story, and you shall give him the name of Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. So in his very name, he's designated as the Savior. 
And notice it goes on. It doesn't just say his name is Jesus, but he is the Son of the Most High in verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. His father David, which makes this one in Mary's womb how related to David? What would be his name or what would be his relationship to David? Son of David which was a popular and a particular designation of the promised Messiah for the Jews. And he would rule over the throne of his father David, and if that's true, this perpetual king of the lineage of David would be the exact fulfillment of prophecies like 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2. He would be the promised Messiah. The ruling and reigning king. And he will be called, because he is conceived of the Holy Spirit, verse 35. He will be called the Son of God. Why was Jesus crucified? He was crucified, if you will look it up, and you can look and I'll give you John chapter 5, verse 18. He was crucified because he claimed to be the Son of God, making himself equal with God. That's what John 5, 18 says. And therefore, he was blasphemous in the eyes of the Jewish rulers, and therefore, he deserved to die. He claimed to be equal with God. If you make yourself out, if you say you're the Son of God, it makes you equal with God, and therefore, you're dead. So look at the designations. Jesus, Son of David. Son of the Most High, Son of God, He is the Messiah. But not just by His designation is He proven the Messiah, but by His origination He is proven to be the Messiah. It says in verse 35 that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So you got the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, and you got a young human female. You have... Full humanity and full deity coming together in the incarnation of Jesus. He is the Messiah. Testifying that Mary's son is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That's how I think Elizabeth knew that Mary was carrying the mother of her Lord. is because of this designation. Then there is not just the circumstances, not just the content, but there is this confirmation that takes place. If you look with me at verse 41, it says, And it came about when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Verse 44 says the baby leaped for joy in the womb of Mary. Well, Elizabeth had the facts that Mary had given her. But I think this Mary, this indication here that the baby leaped in her womb and that, that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit indicates to me that the facts went from mental cognition to spiritual recognition. She went from just knowing it intellectually to understanding it spiritually, who Jesus was. The baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb. I don't know. But look over at Luke chapter 1, verse 15. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor. And get this, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. I'm thinking what I just read in Luke chapter 1, verses 41 and 44, is a fulfillment of that. The Spirit of God is filling John the Baptist while still in his mother's womb. And the reason I say that is even confirmed more, more in my mind is because what happens almost instantaneously with Elizabeth, if you look at verse 41. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wham! Now, that's not something she did. She didn't like gin up a filling of the Holy Spirit. It's a passive verb. It happened to her. She was filled with the Spirit. This is something, there was a Spirit of God. God the Holy Spirit was working Elizabeth's heart, soul, and mind so that her spiritual eyes were enlightened and she saw the reality that what Mary was talking about was that she was carrying the long-promised Messiah, the Son of God, her Savior. You see, it's evidenced that I think that Mary, or that Elizabeth had this spiritual awakening and was alerted by her, the Holy Spirit. If you look at verses 42 through 45, uh, it, it just comes out because then she says, The mother of my Lord came to visit me. How blessed is the one who's believed that which the Lord has told her. How does she know that? Unless the Spirit of God opened her eyes to see it. Same thing happens. Elizabeth was not able to communicate to Mary encouragement and support that what was happening to her was part of God's plan until she was able to understand it and recognize it for herself. Same is true for you and me. I ask you this morning, has the Spirit of God opened your eyes to see not just the facts about Christmas, but to produce within your heart, as He must do in everyone's heart, the faith that would respond, not just mental recognition, but spiritual awareness and reception to it. God had to open her spiritual eyes. I like... Uh, and that must happen to us as well. Mary's testimony provided the facts of Christ's identity. God's Spirit had to work to produce the faith. He has to produce the faith in each of us that this long-promised Messiah is the one who was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By His wounds, we were healed. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him, and uh, by His wounds, we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way, but he has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon this Jesus. That's not something. I can say it, and you can hear it, and you can know it. I, I just saw uh, just a brief glimpse of uh, Robin Williams, who was doing a stand-up comedy routine on an after-party for the resurrection. And he knew the story. I have no idea where he was at spiritually. But it doesn't matter what we know. It matters what we believe in our heart. I like what uh, Cal Thomas, a syndicated columnist, says. Faith is never solely a matter of evidence. Faith is a matter of the will. People choose to accept or reject the evidence. The fact is that Christ came to save lost people. 
The fact is that we must admit that we are sinful people and deserving of God's wrath. That we must believe that Jesus Christ came, lived, died on the cross and rose again as the payment for our sins. We must confess Jesus as Lord. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart you believe resulting in righteousness and with the mouth you confess resulting in salvation. You must and I must accept it in our head and in our heart. And I wonder this morning, are you just watching the parade? Or have you really understood the main event at Christmas? It's about Jesus. That beautiful name, you know, there's nothing really beautiful about the name itself. It's what the name means and what the name connotes. And if you have questions about this, I surely challenge you at the end of our service to uh, meet with one of our elders to just talk it over a little bit more fully. We must recognize, spiritually recognize Christ's identity. Secondly, we must faithfully respond to Christ's identity. Elizabeth's example points out two responses that confirm God's plan and point people to the main event. I want you to read with me, if you will, verse 42. And she cried out with a loud voice. That's what I like. That's her song. She got the facts, she embraced the facts, she recognized who Jesus was, and it resulted in something. Psalm 96, verse 2, sing praise to God, bless His name, tell of the goodness of His salvation day after day. Why? Only if He saved you. Give glory to God. We, we must give glory to God. The revelatory work of the Spirit results in spontaneous exaltation. She cried out with a loud voice. Honest story. I was uh, standing on the sidelines in a football game as a sophomore in high school, and uh, the punt team was out. So I wasn't on the field, and uh, our, uh, our punter was out there, and uh, the opposing team went through our offensive line just like, uh, you know, a hot knife through butter. They were just like nothing standing in the way. And our punter saw this onslaught of the opponents, and he, he held up his hand and goes, stop! And they froze. And then he punted the ball. It was the most comical thing I'd ever seen. I wished I'd had a video for YouTube. Loud voice. Elizabeth screamed, shouted in verse 42. Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Three times blessed in this text. Three times. Blessed, and it's interesting. Who gets the credit here? Okay, who gets the credit? Well, Mary, right? Blessed is Mary. But the word blessed has this connotation in this context and this construct that it, it talks about the one who is superior and also the one who is blessed of God. So in a sense, Mary is blessed, but a bless, being blessed requires a blesser. So she's superior to Elizabeth because God blessed her with the fruit of her womb, who is the Messiah. But ultimately, and Finally, she's blessed, and so is the, she says, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you who believed that which the Lord has told you. Ultimately, it points back to God the Father and the baby in her womb, who is superior, who is sovereign, who is our Savior, Jesus. 
Blessed because God is the one who blessed you. So Mary, yeah, you're, you're exalted, you're lifted up, but you're only the parade people. You're not the main event. You're not the main event. Elizabeth's exaltation provides encouragement for Mary, but ultimately points to Jesus, who is the Savior. And you know what? He's not just the Savior then, he's the Savior now. Romans chapter 4, verses 7 to 8, quotes Psalm 32, which says, Blessed are you, uh, blessed are all whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins have been covered. That's everyone who's trusting in Jesus is blessed. So I wonder, how is it that you and I can shout loudly and give God glory? Well, you can be baptized. That's one way you can shout loudly at Christmas. We got some stuff in your bulletin, you know, this little thing here. This, it's a little handout, has our services on the back. You can shout loudly by passing it out, inviting people to come to church. You can sing Christmas carols. You can decorate. You can speak up at your workplace. You can shout loudly. Secondly, you see that uh, Mary was humbly acknowledged God's mercy. How is it that the mother of my Lord would come to me, she says. Isn't it interesting when we understand who Jesus is, it gives us a clear picture of who we are. Humility is strength under control. She knew that she was nothing compared to the Lord that she was worshiping. I wonder this Christmas season if we will exalt with Mary's exaltation and we will humbly bow before the King of Kings. He is worthy. He is worthy. I did a assignment in a Sunday school class for a bunch of students. I think, can you skip a couple of slides and get to this AD, uh, the, the Jerusalem Courier thing? We got this ad. I had the kids write out a newspaper article in an ad, and the one kid put, Jer Jerusalem Courier, AD 0000. And this is what he wrote. Uh, title, A Savior is Born. A totally righteous babe will be found lying in a manger under an awesome star. Studly kings give him money and offer gifts to the baby king. I wonder this morning, is Jesus a totally righteous babe? Deserving of gifts from studly kings for us. I wonder if he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords that we will scream and shout loudly who he is to a lost and dying world. As we close the service and we uh, celebrate communion. It's interesting that the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, always reminds us, or should remind us, of the tragedy and the triumph of the crucifixion and the resurrection, respectively. The main event is the birth of Jesus, whose body was broken and his blood was shed. It's a baby who grew up to die on a cross so that we could be free and live forever. Maybe we should be humbled and realized that the blessed Son was betrayed so that we could live free of our sins. So I invite you this morning, if you're trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to spend some time reflecting and confess your sin and then come and break the bread and take the cup as a declaration of your communion and a celebration of your communion with the risen Savior. Let's pray. Father, I pray you take this bread and this cup and use it as a reminder of all that you've done for us. And I pray that we would not miss the main event, Father, that we would shout loudly 
the reality of Jesus because we've recognized spiritually the truth in our own hearts. And if anyone doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would confess their sins and repent and turn from you, that they take the time after the service to visit with one of our elders. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, what amazing grace it is. And we thank you for this story of a simple girl and an, old, and an older woman who you made just great promises to, who you revealed yourself to. Thank you for their pattern of simple faith, to take your word and believe it, to take it as true, and to act on it. And Father, you have given us great truth. I pray that as we... Uh, go out this week, that we would take that truth with us and that, that we would act in faith upon it, uh, that we would proclaim what, what Jesus has done for us. Father, now as we give back to you, I pray that you would use these gifts and offerings for your kingdom, for your glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.